there's always Clubhouse talking about NFT mental health. <laughs> what you, the hell? I, that's a 2021 way. term right there. <laughs> Holy but shit. Put it this way. You are having two months of your time making an artwork that is so close to you and you have emotional connection to. You toss it on one of the platforms hoping it's going to sell and no one buys it. That's like you putting a piece of your your emotion, your experience, your heart to this void and no one hears it. Like that's a not that's not a good feeling. Are you the kind of guy with like a nice setup? You got like the desk that stand like that remote control desk. <laughs> triple monitors <laughs> lights behind the monitor um i do have two monitors i just one that's vertical right here that's a streamer wow. monitor right there yeah i, I see that's the, the i i see those on stream all the time the vertical ones the vertical ones yeah i think they're just good to like if there's like chats twitter feeds or whatever it's just nice to scroll out and for for rendering like cinema 4d and stuff you can just put the viewport right there and then you know you got the whole vertical display which is nice right 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 i love mm -hmm. that what do you guys do we graduated from like uh ryerson for sport media this was last april yeah. and during school we were both like free he was a freelance uh, graphic designer but also worked at tsn and i was a freelance like videographer so i just worked for like a bunch of small businesses organizations just like all over the place stuff and it yeah. was good we were both doing that a lot and then the the, the um the, and you said you guys gradu graduated was it what was it that you guys graduated? 2020 so we graduated right into the pandemic the best Yo. uh graduation gift ever no same yeah. here i graduated the same year as you guys <laughs> it was last year Where, what school uh, uh western western ontario did you do mit yeah i I'm did assuming? i yeah. did what how'd you how'd you just guess that like <laughs> because it's, the media. it's a good it was a lucky guess it's the, <laughs> well why, why don't we just jump in so you graduated from western you did mit yeah. yeah um which i just guessed because i actually got accepted there like years back and i decided oh. no nah, i'd rather stay in the city like i don't want to go away so what made you change from the media program to the sports program right because i mean i was like I applied at, at Ryerson for the general media program, which was my like number one goal. And I also did the sports because I played sports my whole life. I like sports. I didn't get into the regular media. So I thought I'll just go to sport media. I don't want to go away for school. Like, I just don't want to like take on the debt. I'd rather just spend less money for school, be in the city. And it ended up working out well. But what made you decide Western over, let's say, like a college or like a Ryerson type university experience? That's funny because I actually um, I. I actually enrolled in Ryerson's program as well, but Ryerson got to me too fast. Like I got accepted right away. So I was like, "Hum, if they were accepting right away, should I, should I just wait for a bit to see other like opportunities? And then when Western accepted me, I was like, okay, I'll go for that. And at that time, mostly I I'm going to West, I was going to Western because of the fact that it's a party school. It's, I know it's kind of dumb thinking back at it, but <laughs> you know, I love you, the when... honesty. <laughs> yeah, we like the honesty. It it's true. I mean, it's a fun. I visited a few times. It's a it gets crazy. Yeah, for sure. Only the first year. I, I swear. Like afterwards, just things just get. It's all the same. So, I and I definitely think there's a better um, campus experience if you are away from the city instead of going to Ryerson or you know U University of Toronto. You're literally in the city, so it doesn't seem like it's this bubble.
of college kids. Right. I wanted to jump in quickly, Will. I, I think you made the right choice. I think Western would have eat you up and spit you out. So, so <laughs> yeah. good idea, man. I don't think I would have made it through that first year. I may have dropped out. Wouldn't have been good. Um, it's funny because there were a lot of people in my program that was dropping out from from MIT to Ryerson. Right, 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 right. So, so I, I think it's it's it, maybe it just you know the grass is always greener on the other side. So you look at it, you're like, um, you know, Western does seem like a pretty good opportunity back in the days but the fact that you're in ryerson you might i don't know i don't know i'm just making random assumptions here but well one thing that drew me to ryerson was like it's like it's very practical like there's yes a lot more hands-on yeah and i felt like i just wanted to not only stay in the city because i'm I'm gonna be more focused spending less money on school because obviously just the situation And I just want to like learn through like my hands more and not be at like a traditional university because Ryerson's kind of like it, it, it like rise that line between college and university. It's not, it's, it's, it's a strange experience, That's but I heard too. Yeah. It's, it, and I just wanted to like stay in the city. I like Toronto yeah. and I agree. Like you don't get that campus experience, that campus culture, that like team culture, everyone's like a commuter, but I think that lended well to me because I'm kind of like all over the place and I can get drawn and distracted easily it lended me to be like really focused through the four years where like I was able to build up a freelance like career while at school. Right. right? So I, I was like working full time while at school. I don't think I would be able to do that if I was at a college town. Cause I just would have been like, where are the boys? Or they're all in the, the frat house or this house or yeah. this apartment building. Like I, that's just who I am, but it would have been a nightmare for you. Let's, let's call it, it what it is. It would have been a nightmare. <laughs> so but you like, definitely made a good decision for personal decision. But I want to talk about like MIT cause it was it's media information techno techno right. techno culture or technoculture yeah. Te- techno culture you got it techno yeah. culture so like what the hell did you learn what's going on with that, <laughs> with that program well in short nothing um no just kidding i actually learned a lot in terms of like critical thinking and the whole media landscape in general it's more theory based like i write paper every week oh man and you're right about the hands-on experience there was none there's pretty much none i wouldn't say there's like literally minimal but and there's graphic design and that was pretty hands-on and we also had video production and photography but you can only choose that in let's say was it third year or second year yeah you had to finish all the criteria first before you can enroll and i think the most i got out of it is just an understanding of how the social media landscape operate and it's it's more of a critical side you know it's more like what social media is affect how is it affecting us and how is technology affecting us as a society more of that i guess that's i i think that's so interesting considering what you're doing now because that couldn't be further from that kind of classic academic model like you are you are the first kind of crypto art guy that we brought on the podcast. That's funny. <laughs> so not only do you have the best mic, but you're also the crypto. Guy. You got some big. You got some big shoes to fill. No, that's some high expectations here. But uh, I'm I'm glad you mentioned the uh, the whole crypto, like the blockchain thing. I learned it at school too, and uh, really, I I did a, a more about Bitcoin and 
money laundering i guess <laughs> <laughs> but the creative side comes later after i started learning this opportunity and this whole time i graduated i my whole mindset is oh yeah the current tech 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 giants are just it's very the whole their their whole business model is very um what's the word i'm looking for exploitative yeah they're rent seekers they they, yeah. they take other people's content and they make yeah. millions of dollars off it exactly and they claim everything you do on their you know software or whatever interface is free but in reality they're you know data mining they're collecting your privacy and there's no privacy if you're using these platforms so after i heard about this whole nft thing i was like whoa shit this is revolutionary i did not even i was late too i was actually late on the uh, nft art side and it's been around for a while yeah and the guys has just exploded in popularity that's how um people started hearing it yeah i know i I've, I've found out about it from like clubhouse i'd just be in random rooms listening to people and there's this one kid, he's 18 year old i forget his name Fuck, but I sent it to you, um, I'll find it in the DMs, but like this kid is 18, digital artist, and he made a one for one and he sold it for like 200 grand. And I heard this guy talking about it on uh, Clubhouse, this was maybe two months ago. Is that when you kind of found out about NFTs? Was it two months ago or was was it maybe a little bit earlier? It was actually, um, it was a lot earlier, but I didn't take any actions. And when I actually started trying to find an invite for foundation and trying to get into these platforms, that was two months ago, exactly. Were you doing Cinema 40 prior to this on like a, a like a high level? And then you just kind of like, what's the word, transitioned in? Like how, it was kind of natural for you? Like, can you walk us through like just the animating space you went yeah. from beginning to end? So um, at the start, I was I started with videos for sure. And I started just doing videos in high school. But that was when I realized my composition was just so ass. I was like, OK, maybe it's too <laughs> too big of a step going jumping straight to video. So I, I scaled back to photos and I was trying to learn about all these basics. So I know that I'm confident in you know videos. And after I started doing videos, it got into editing and then from editing videos it got into animation and i started using like after effects and stuff it was that was the the effects side is always what i was interested in and i also learned i went to this career training program uh when i was in china uh for a summer and that was like a three-month program you learn product advertising and design so that was a joint uh, software learning experience from After Effects to Cinema 4D. I skipped a lot of the Cinema 4D side of it because I wasn't interested at all, but didn't realize that later I, that will be my pretty much my full-time you know career. So it's kind of interesting how it just comes back to me. And that, so that was the kickstart. How long was that, did that program last? Was that a summer or? Yeah, the program was supposed to be, uh, I think the full length was five months and I joined halfway just because I was in Canada. I couldn't you know, do the full way and I graduated early. So in total, it was like a month and a half of like nine to five. It was, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It's crazy. So looking at um, Western and like your peers, like how many of them have taken the approach you've taken in the media landscape? Like are, do you still like talk to some of your alumni? Are they kind of in the same space? 
for sure. Um, there's only one person that I'm close with who are doing, I guess, the same thing uh, in terms of graphic design, videography, and media production in general. But the rest, um, not really. I don't see, I don't see that many people being on the practical side. They're more in advertising, I would assume, or social media management, and you know these side of things. That's interesting because I think we look at at most we look at Ryerson a lot of these guys we know tons of people trying to do the freelance thing media production thing whether it's for a firm or on their own so I wonder if that lends itself to the practicality of our program versus like more theory 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 base of the Western but what were you gonna say Mose? Well, I was gonna ask because maybe you mentioned this and I just zoned out and wasn't listening, but um, are you doing crypto art full time or are you also splitting that with client work and doing service stuff? It's definitely half and half right now. I try okay. to do as much NFT as possible because at the end of the day, it's your personal projects. It's your full creative control. You get to you know do whatever you want and you get to sell it. And my rate for the NFT is already higher than my client work. So it doesn't right. seem like it makes sense that I don't you know jump into NFT more. Um, but I would rather consider it to be a separate economy. That's what uh, my friend Joseph, he's like the um, media director for Excision. Like I was on a phone call with him talking about NFT and stuff. And so he, that's what he was suggesting, like treating it as two separate system. Doesn't mean that your NFT is high. Uh, the, doesn't mean if your NFT is selling for a higher price, it doesn't mean that it has to transition back to your client work because client's budget is still there. Right. So that's how I'm treating it right now. And it's been working out pretty well. Well, also, how many people like liquefy their cryptocurrency, right? Most people are playing the game like this will eventually become like the world's like currency reserve. I want to wait until, you know, real money gets faded out and this becomes real. Like most people aren't selling Bitcoin to like live a, like a life off of it unless maybe you're doing sure. that. I don't, I don't know, but it probably makes sense to like have two different Invest. spaces because like one's more of an investment for the future where you can liquefy if you're in trouble and the other one's just like cash flow for day-to-day expenses. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. That's that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm, I'm treating it more as more of an um, asset because I really don't think um it's gonna die like nft the technology's there it's not gonna go anywhere the hype might die but if you're established in this space you're gonna stay relevant that's how i'm uh, i'm seeing it so i definitely agree okay so could you walk us through like what like what's like the week-to-week work like doing and making nfts and then like putting them out there on the different platforms like are you you know drawing in a notebook coming up with concept art are you maybe reaching out to other people who like want an nft for their brand like what's what what's your process going through that making um, NFTs? I, I haven't been working with brands on NFT just because I think that the split is already it's kind of tricky because if you're doing a 50-50 split with a company, um, how do you know how much it's gonna sell for? There's no guarantee. The same way with working with a musician or an artist, if they are not in the crypto space then doesn't mean it's my reputation that we're relying on. If I'm selling my stuff for one ETH per, if my average price is one ETH, which is one ETH right now, doesn't mean if you're just starting out and I'm collaborating with you, I take more percentage. Like how, how is it going to work? 
Right. That's a really interesting conversation. Um, I think with the NFTs, at least something that I've noticed is that people that already had an audience, and I guess this is a bit different from your story, but the people that already had an audience and had that built in, I saw them like, Jack, do you follow Visualize Value? Do you know know who that is? Right. Um, And he like, he's been, I think he had an NFT yesterday that he, obviously the situation in India is terrible right now. And he just same day released an NFT, um, built it in the same day, and like immediately, I think it sold for like twelve ETH. And I was like, "This is crazy!" And that's all. And the, the getting back to the point, um, that was all on the back of him having. I, I would bet it's close to half a million followers across all of his social platforms. Um, so, like, how do you see that kind of audience or? reputation piece playing in like as you create more nfts you're just gonna accrue i guess more value just by virtue of having more people see your work do you see that being a big part of um nfts and this kind of crypto art movement moving forward it's definitely a big part and people i mean established artists are gonna have more portion of the food that's just how it's always worked there's has been a hierarchy and it's gonna stay there right but at the same time i think smaller artists like myself where who doesn't have any social presence can actually have a chance as well if you market yourself properly because even if you're let's say uh visualized value his stuff might not convert uh because most of his audience are on instagram and people on instagram have no clue what an fdr what NFT art is. So I think for 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 someone like like that, like a medium sized artist, to NFT is like uh, to the NFT space, he's more like a blank sheet. Right. No collectors would know who that is. No investors would you know be recognize him off the bat. Right. Um, I want to go back to the split for a second. So the 50-50 split, if you're working for a brand, in my mind, doesn't make a ton of sense. When you sell an NFT, how much does the platform take? What does that split look like? 15%. Usually it's 15%. 15? Okay. Yeah. Really? That almost seems high. Like why why would do they justify why it costs so much? Uh, no, I don't think so. There's the operation costs. I feel like it's kind of default uh in everyone's mind that you know the platform has to survive so you can survive as well. So right. if you're giving about 15%. Seems reasonable. I don't know. know. Makes more sense in that like social 1.0 kind of world. But I guess the ironic piece of that is that crypto is is all about decentralization. So you have this person taking 15%. I want to talk about, I have two questions. First is how many pieces have you minted so far? And then after that, like, are they all 3D? Um, Are they moving? Like if you could just break down quickly, like what, is it concept art? I'm just curious because I've I've only seen one piece. Um, I've had. Um, if I can, do you think I can uh, share my screen by? Yeah, any chance? for sure. So there's this. Um, uh, there's this website called Showtime. That's like a newer website, I guess. It's more like a social media platform, but it showcases all the artwork that you minted and Ooh. owned. This kind of goes back to that reputation piece because people can just like look at the guy. I think that's one of the weird parts about the platform in my mind as well. It's like the platforms for selling stuff, but there's no like curation or discovery, which I've always found kind of weird. That is definitely one of the biggest challenges, you know, challenge that 
NFT is going through, if there's no, you, if you can't exhibit your art, you can't display your art, what's the point of buying it? That's what a lot of people's complain. So mm. this is the um, platform. And these Showtime. are the artwork I've minted. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Wow. There should be one more, but um, yeah, maybe nine, nine artwork. Yeah. And are these all on the same platform or have no. you used multiple platforms? I see I foundation. Use, yeah. Foundation uh, is uh, the major one just because the interface of it. Oh man. Just so nice. You know, this is just. That is BV. <laughs> Yeah, the that boy. is him. I love his stuff too. I, uh, I've been following him since he had like less than five thousand followers. Yeah, the I mostly use uh, foundation. I still have one artwork that hasn't been sold yet, and I also uh, use crypto art dot uh, not io sorry ai. They're Most working expensive. on. <laughs> they're working on their um, what's it called? They're working on their ui right now and the special thing about this is it's the biggest nft platform in asia okay that's why i'm also banking on it i think that the collectors in china are it's more disconnected i guess from the you know the rest of the social media so that's why um i'm just branching two ways in right. china and outside of it i, I love that way to look at it so i want to go back to the unlimited blade blade is it warts or works because when i ser google search this there is an anime called unlimited blade works yeah, so is this a play on that because i thought yeah. maybe you did a deal with them or something no oh no 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 <laughs> i wish because they're they're um that anime is old too they've been around for a while but they're yeah. really good for they're really reputable for their um visual effects yeah, that just inspired, I guess. It's more like fan art. And a lot of the stuff that I have on foundation is fan art as well. See, the, the one thing that I know, uh, that I think that um, if I were knowing it sooner, is that for each platform, it will be nice to have a different type of artwork. So if I'm doing fan art and I stick with foundation, that's what I'm only going to post on, on foundation. And if on crypto art AI, if I'm doing something that's more, uh, more have a social cause, then I just focus on that. It will be ideal. Too, right. too, too late now. I already started, but. And yeah. are you speaking that from just like your focus as an artist, or are you saying that um, it would be nice if the platforms kind of had a focus? Because in my mind, like nothing separates one platform from the other, aside from the fact that one might have a bigger built-in audience. Yeah. Um, I, I do think from the artist's perspective, it, it matters more just because there's so many platforms to, you know, to, to be on. And, right. and um, as an artist, you probably have so many shiny ideas to go for it. And they're not, they might not be all cohesive in terms of the, the meaning of it or however you want to portray your artwork. So something that's more for pop culture could belong to one and something that's more meaningful could belong to another. Right. And for you personally, like how much would you say that you wrestle with that? Cause I, I think you strike me as a guy that probably has tons of ideas and sometimes you're like, I want to chase this, but this is kind of outside of this theme that I'm curating. Is that something that challenges you? Yeah, for sure. Cause I usually start with uh, reference pictures. I just 
I use pure ref. I just dragged a bunch of stuff that I see on Pinterest or whatever movie post I like. And I, I make a mood board. Essentially that's what it is. And then I simplify it and make it my own idea. And a lot of it changes when I actually make it because sometimes your idea is just too big and you usually have to scale it down. And I, I don't Most think I have- Most times for me. <laughs> same here, same here. Cause I really don't think I have the technical ability to you know, execute that mall. And this one project I've been working on is like, it's been a month and a half. And that's the one, you know how Aruz collaborated with Six Buzz? Yep. Yeah, so I'm I'm supposed to do the third drop. So that's the upcoming drop. Oh. And for that project I've worked on, oh man, it was, it's been so, it's been, uh, it's just been a long time. <laughs> and it, it just started too complicated and I have to shrink it down, shrink it down to what I can handle. I, what my computer can handle, right? My GPU is so ass that I, uh, <laughs> okay so what does that deal look like with six buzz are they um, guaranteeing you a percentage is it just a flat fee to create are you you know what, what's what's the deal um so at first i that was my first time you know collaborating with a bigger brand so i'm like okay how is it gonna split and this, it seemed like 50 50 percent is like ideal because usually if a company has 10k budget the creator get what 10 percent, 5 percent even you know, you'd be lucky so, if you got 10, 10, you're laughing. Exactly. <laughs> so that's why, um, when we agreed on 50, that was like, that was huge. And, um, it made it a little complicated because there's also resale. So every time you resell the artwork, there's, you know, certain, um, percentage it's, I think it's 15% default in a lot of the platforms mm-hmm. where the owner sells the artwork. And another thing is um, I tried to bring on another creator that I like. So she um, she does custom, custom shoes. And we're trying to integrate her design to my project. And when we do sell the NFT, the winner can get physical shoes as well. So her design. That's awesome. I think I've, I've seen that as well with... Uh... The NBA top shot. I know that some of the players were, I think it was Terry Rozier played for the Celtics. If somebody bought um, one of his NFTs or his moments, I'm not sure exactly what they're called on top shot. Um, he was actually going to fly the fan out to a game. And wow. I think he ended up giving them a pair of game worn sneakers. So it's just crazy to see kind of how that physical is blending with the crypto world. Yeah, for sure. That's so cool. Cause I know, um, I guess it's outside of like every artist's ability. If you're only making two hundred dollars, it doesn't really make sense that you are, you know, giving them a physical item that might yeah. even cost more. Right. But for something like that, it's definitely reasonable when you're talking about ten k, twenty, even you know, in the hundred k range. Right. We we you touched briefly on the research part with building mood boards and kind of pulling a bunch of references. Um, what I have a couple questions. So would you say most of that inspiration is coming from anime or like what else, <laughs> what else? I we love asking this question about like, yeah. what inspired you early on, maybe in your childhood or like, what were you consuming or reading that has in a roundabout way inspired the work that you're doing now? What's the, what's you guys' inspirations? We have a bunch. Will's favorite is he'll tell everyone. He, he, no, my uh, favorite anime is Cowboy Bebop. I wasn't going oh. Cowboy Bebop. I was going to say about the uh, Call of Duty edits. You oh, started, oh yeah. I thought you were going. Yeah, so I started editing Call of Duty videos. That's like 
my big like that's I don't know. I mean, it's not really my inspiration, but you know what I mean. I don't Entry know. Something or... like so that means you're pretty like you're into effects and visual effects and stuff as well. I was yeah, I was more, but then I kind of started going like video mode. Like I just was like more of a shooter and an editor second. You know what I mean? Whereas right, right. before I started as an editor first, where you're always like, what's the coolest effect and like. Yeah, <laughs> I can record. But did you like dabble in editing COD videos as well? No, I actually didn't. But I've watched a lot of them though. That um, the one, oh, who is that guy who is really big in COD editing? His name is a Baker, Baker Baker Tuts. Yeah, Baker Tuts. Baker right, Tuts. Right. So you know, Sam Coder is using his transitions. Was using his transitions and the, all those Zoom transitions and stuff. Yeah, yeah watch yeah, this that's, tutorial that's where a lot. I first saw him. Baker Tuts, <laughs> Baker go, Tuts has probably influenced and touched like the most editors in the world. I swear. just based off of like the past, like when 20 from 2010 to 20, like 12, 13, this guy was like the guy on YouTube, <laughs> all the tutorials. It's definitely people our age too, just because we like those games as well. Right. So exactly. I mean, there is, and also like the whole, uh, cinema 4d world, like everyone's kind of the last couple of years has been getting into it. Call of Duty videos have been doing cinema 4D like cinematics where they create characters and like do stuff in 20 since 2011, 2012. Oh, wow. And now it's getting like if you look up FaZe Mink, who was like yeah. they're one of the best editors. This guy was doing like 3D design at such a high level for the time. It's crazy to see how that is now. You know, you watch Gibson Hazard doing it's more relevant and it's even better than it was. And it's implemented not just with video game footage, but real life footage with the uh, 3D stuff. So who's really copying who? <laughs> who knows? I honestly, I, I've been saying this. I think the Call of Duty editing community and just Call of Duty in general, that like space has like influenced culture and art more than any other space in the last like five or 10 years. Mm, I mean, look at what FaZe Clan has done. It's crazy. Very interesting because uh, I actually well, I wasn't even thinking about that until you mentioned it. And I do know an editor, uh, he does it, I won't say full time, but he works with FaZe's um, social media projects as well. They do their uh, merch lunch and everything. Is it Wolf and Tech? Wolf Tech, yeah. Zeke. Yeah. Zeke has been doing He's crazy. this hybrid as well. So like, you know, kind of like Gibson Hazard style, I guess, yeah. but with his own spin for sure. It's really cool. But I before we like transition a bit, I did want to talk about this and it's kind of for both of you. Like I'm looking at NFTs and I'm scrolling through the websites as we're talking and I'm like, a lot of them are GIFs. Like there's some like images that are minted, but a lot of times I see it's like a looping GIF. And I'm like, how many of these people are buying it because they're thinking this is an investment, I'm going to resell it and make more money off it versus actually having it and getting to like experience the art. Because we would think about real life art, you hang it on your wall you put a statue on your desk or not a statue, like a figurine on your desk, whatever it is. There's no way to observe this art besides opening the file that's on your computer. Like where, where do you get to like appreciate the artwork? Cause some of it is really beautiful, but there's no real way to appreciate it. So are people just buying it to sell or are they buying it? Cause they actually want art and they enjoy the art. And that's where I'm getting confused. It's like what I don't get this space and why people even want to buy. Which platform did you see all those uh, gifts on? I'm on Try Showtime. I'm just looking at these recommended guys. It's like Gerpel, mm. uh, Roger Kilimanjaro. Like they're really cool gifts, but I'm like, where, where where do I put that? How do I enjoy this? Um, 
in your crypto wallet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where's the crypto wallet? Your, uh, your MetaMask, I guess. So there's like collectibles where you can see it on your phone. But then that's why that's also why uh, a lot of these players are coming in where they're manufacturing the display. They're also finding you know digital solution where they can display those art. I don't know if you guys have heard of. Uh, um, I think it's called. I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's V E V E, and there's another app called Flow. So what they do is they built a virtual showroom. So whatever you collect, you can actually showcase it in a virtual room, in the virtual yeah uh, you know environment. I've seen I've seen a couple of these. This is this is really interesting because with the 3D guys, the one thing that I always think like it the the art itself is awesome. Um, but the other part that would be really easy for somebody who knows cinema 4d it's like you can build these kind of custom sh- like I, I think with guys they're almost like your own virtual man cave and whatever you're into whatever you're inspired by like you can create these virtual spaces where you can kind of consume them but i've seen That's a couple a and they look unreal like some have a really like uh coliseum like rome kind of retro vibe um and others are like super sleek and super modern so it can really go anyway which is it's really interesting to see how that space is evolving are you talking about people who are building their own virtual room or? Yeah, people people who are both building virtual rooms and selling those rooms as galleries for people who collect crypto art. I actually never seen it. You, you gotta send me some. Look up, look up Somnium Space. This is an app or actually a game on the VR store, which they're looking to sell or not looking to sell, but looking for people to join in. And what they do is that they host other people's NFT artwork in an art gallery. And you walk in as a person with VR goggles on, you walk in as a person and you can walk through a 3D space observing the art as though it's an art show. That sounds like a Decentral Island. I guess it's a pretty similar. There's there's probably similar ideas. A bunch of ideas like this. Yeah. But my biggest problem is like, that seems like something that's going to be Make, it's going to make a lot of sense with the way we live our lives in like 20 years when VR becomes like, I don't know, more accessible, cheaper and just more immersive. Right. But my thing is like, if I'm going to observe my NFTs, why do I have to open up an app and then get to see my art? Like what makes real life and I'm, I sound like a hater right now. I'm just playing devil's advocate. If I'm like, if I have nice art in real life, I just place it in places and I get to see it. And you get those feelings when you look at art. It makes you For feel sure. a certain way. You think a certain way. That That's what powerful art does to people. But you don't get that unless you look at it. And there's something about, I have a painting right here. There's like no something barrier to observe it. It's not about something being physical. About it. It's just about being able to see it without having to open up an app and then like wait for it to load. And then I'm looking at it. There has to be some sort of way where you can just digitally observe it with with less friction. Because then, then oh. I don't see why people should buy it. Right. So Besides it's too much, an of a hustle, too much of a hustle to to even view your own artwork. That's what's it getting at. Yeah. That's too much fractions. Right. It just seems like there's like, what's the point of owning it if you can't really observe it? Right. I think that comes to a lot of the more consumer friendly um, display frames. And people are using, even, uh, like aside from those display frame, people are using those wearables too. I don't know if it's type of watch or whatever that display your NFT art. Oh, no, something like that. There's just a lot of ideas out there, but they're not really consumer friendly. There's 
kind of pricey for like an average, you know, artist. It just you can't really afford that and then give it to your collector, especially with gas fee being like four hundred dollars, two hundred dollars. Like there's it's not it's not really feasible right now. And I think that's a great point. Just quickly, I think that's a great point um, that one of the biggest things and it's not specific to crypto art. This is kind of more broadly. But one of the biggest things holding back this entire space is that um, it's really right now, at least. And I want to preface this by saying like we are very much in the early stages of this. But one of the biggest limiting factors right now is that it's really tech first and we're kind of building patchwork consumer um, solutions to make the experience better as we go. Um, and it's one of the things that I know I'm into it just because I'm a curious guy and I'm kind of adjacent to the space. Um, but a lot of my friends, like you say NFT and they either think that it's a Ponzi scam or <laughs> uh, this, this world that exists outside of any of their interests. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of adapt those consumer solutions. Um, but one thing on the displays, like, the markups I'm seeing on some of these displays, like for a 50 inch, like it's essentially just like a TV um, because it's being labeled as crypto art. You're seeing like a 20 to 30% mo- uh, price markup in some of these things. But I just yeah, think it's hold hilarious. up. They're selling t- like glorified They're TVs. They're selling TV screen. It's a TV screen. By any other name, it's a TV screen, but it's like 20 to 30% more expensive because it's being marketed oh. as a crypto like art gallery thing. I just realized I'm such a bozo, like literally They're TV screens. Well, li- no, well, I've been trying to say like, what's the point of buying the art if you can't really display it or whatnot? Cause it's digital dude. There's been, I just realized, remember those like things you would go to someone's house. They'd have a picture frame that was like an iPad almost. And like pictures would like scroll through. Yeah. Usually at grandma's house. Yeah. Grandma it's always at grandma's house. <laughs> you'd see like, you know, they're oh, Costa Rica, Cabo, like it'd, it'd be going it's like, the same thing. <laughs> Yeah. And it's just the same thing, but just <laughs> NFTs. You get to see the GIF repeat. Oh my yeah. God. So simple. I don't know why that would, that didn't blow up though. I, I thought that was a cool solution for a lot of the digital display, but no one was using it. Like, you don't, no. you probably don't even have one in your house. I don't know. Like, no, no, no. Go. <laughs> but that, that's what leads me to think. I think most people are buying NFTs, not necessarily because they love the art and they like to look at it, but they're like, this is a play. The resale value. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm going to sell this. See, um, I think it really depends on the platform you are looking at because if you are a, um, enthusiast, uh, art enthusiast and you want to flip, you you probably aren't gonna be looking at those platform like Rarible or OpenSea because most people would probably be focusing on Nifty or Super Rare and they would only buy the top artists because they know for a fact that there's resale value. There's actually a ranking for artists out there who sold the most. And these are the people who are, you know, flipping. They're they're buying these top artists' artwork. Because otherwise, it's not safe. It's really not safe for you to go to OpenSea Foundation, even a lot of the artwork. You probably aren't going to be flipping it. Right? Is, there, is there much dialogue on these platforms? Because I wonder if people are, like, messaging you as though it's, like, your Instagram where, like, they can DM you, like, with... They can like send you the NFT with a message talking to you about again to understand like what, who you are, what goes into what you do. Like, is there like that community side to it or is it really just is. a marketplace? Um, 
they all started with the marketplace, but they're slowly, you know, up uh, improving themselves in terms of uh, following certain artists. When they do a drop, you can get an email notification to commenting under certain artworks. For Maker's Place, you can just do that. You can you can comment and like um, other artwork. But that's also why um, all the NFTs. Everyone who's in NFT, they probably are somewhere on Twitter. So that's a bigger platform for people to connect with others. I love that. I want to go back to that point that you brought up about with, I think one thing that I've noticed within the creator space for people who are making NFTs is that you have such a more precise measure of the value of what you create. Um, But one thing that's kind of spawned from that is that a lot of creators are tying their sense of self-worth or their their sense of how good they are at art or whatever their creative thing is with kind of the amount of money that they make on um, with what they're selling. Have you seen that at all? And oh, like, for sure. And the, the follow-up is that in this, I don't know if you're on the platform or not, but I've just seen this in the past couple of weeks. Um, BitClout. I want to talk about BitClout oh. just quickly. Like, Beyond making NFTs, the crypto space is kind of pushing this forward to where if you want to invest in a creator, you like their art, or you think there is some financial upside to them, you can actually buy some of their coins. Like, have you been seeing this at all? And like, what are your thoughts on BitClout and kind of tying some value to um, creators on the blockchain? I just think Big Cloud is a little sketchy. That's why I stay away from Super it. Super sketchy. <laughs> Super so sketchy. Sketch. It's um, not. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, go ahead. I no, don't know I was, too much about it. That's why. I, I don't know a whole lot. But like the reason why like the big serious cryptocurrencies are around is because there is a technology around it that people are investing in and hoping that, you know, will integrate itself in the real world. And each coin sure. has their own unique way of projects transaction and sorry okay right do you say there's projects? project there's a project backing up the yes the coins right? the coin whereas bitcloud it's like you're like investing in a creator it's like, like a I measure don't know. of reputation almost yeah it seems very there's a lot of that shit going on but you were gonna say something oh i was just gonna go back to the valid like how you are measuring yourself success based on how much you're selling for that so I, I want to say that it's just, it's been the same way for on Instagram. Every creator is po- making a post. If you don't do good on your engagement, you're like, oh man, my stuff is ass. Like that's yeah. just how it's always been, you know. But now it's even more dangerous because your personal projects actually has monetary values. You associate your self worth not to this abstract likes and social validation, but it's more to a, a monetary validation. That yeah. I think that's really dangerous. Like that's it's a slippery that's why, slope. It really is. That's also why it's like uh, uh, there's always Clubhouse talking about NFT mental health because it's <laughs> what you, the hell. Uh, that's a 2021 like... term right there. <laughs> Holy but shit! Try this way. I, I definitely experienced it, especially at the start too. You are having two months of your time making an artwork that is so close to you, and you have emotional connection to, and you you toss it on one of the platforms hoping it's going to sell and no one buys it. That's like you putting a piece of your, your emotion, your experience, your heart to this void and no one hears it. Like that's a not, that's not a good feeling. It's a really, I mean, yeah. When you put it that way, that's a, it's, 
it just makes it feel like you're not worth it. You know, like you're not worth anything, right? But that's the problem. And Mose and I talk about this when we would when we work together and we collaborate. It's like we all we both put ourselves into the work, but at the end of the day, no one's idea is right. It's the right idea is right. You know what I mean? So you kind of have to separate. You have to like put yourself in the work, but once the work's done, take yourself out of it. And it's not about. It's not. Don't make it your self. Like it's obviously your self actualization in the work, but you kind of have to detach. So I wonder, how do you do that? I don't know. You just have to be some monk, I guess, who's like so enlightened. <laughs> Meditate seven <laughs> times a day. You know what? Just meditate. You know what? Don't do anything else but meditate. <laughs> seven sessions of meditation a day. Oh man! And don't forget about the juice cleanse either. No, no solid <laughs> oh, <yeah>. foods. <laughs> just ginger so and turmeric. That's it. <laughs> yeah. uh, so essentially, what you're saying is you have to disassociate yourself from the work. Once from it's the point out, you finish. Once it's yeah. out, it's out. It's it's it doesn't have. And to you do say, anything. yeah, you say that was me during the time that I created it. And I am constantly changing and moving forward. And, you know, I, it, it's right. and also it's it's not me. It's just a part of me. Right. Right. But it's I don't know. It's so easy. I mean, I feel like a lot of artists have talked about this right here. Like comedians talk. It's like I put out a special. Yeah. And that's like pretty much me because I'm talking about my perspective on the world. And you just that your perspective is going to change over time. It's just a part of you then. For sure. You got to let it go. It's just. Mm. Yeah. I mean, easier said than done. So if you think of yourself as a creative entrepreneur and you're building your personal brand, would you really build something for two months, spit it out and then be like, okay, that's it. I'm done. My work is done here. Wouldn't you want to spend more time on the marketing side of it? Absolutely. I think that we, we've covered this before at length, like the classic, the classic mistake. And it's not um, specific to creators either. Like I see brands doing this all the time where you're going to spend two to three hours or, or longer, oftentimes longer on production and then spend what, like five minutes trying to market it or distribute. <laughs> like it, it just doesn't make in. sense. <laughs> Max, I think marketing is I, okay, letting go of like detaching yourself from it emotionally and like detaching your personality from it is different than like putting in work to market it. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I don't, I'm not point. saying, I'm not saying put it out there and then just forget about it. <laughs> I'm saying like put it out there and not work not put yourself into it, but just do the necessary things to market, but maybe to do the necessary things to market, you have to treat it like it's you. Mm -hmm. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's, I think it depends on what you're marketing. If it's a personal project, then you know, to some extent, there's going to be emotions attached to it. Always. If it's, if it's for a client, maybe not. Like, it's different in de depending on the scenarios, I guess. Well, that's one of the best things. I mean, one of the things I admire most about uh, crypto artists and, and the big people and the small people um, is that I think it's so much harder to create for yourself than it is to create for a brand because there is a level of um, disattachment. Is that a word? Unattachment? I don't know how to say it. Detachment. Um, detachment. There you go. When you're working with somebody else um, and for the people, I think the example that comes to mind for me, and I'm rambling a little bit, is that for all the people that celebrated Beeple selling, I don't know what it was. It was 69 or 70 something million worth of his artwork. A lot of people forget that that guy was grinding for like 13 years doing 
uh, crypto art before it was called crypto. It's just basically concept art um, every single day for 13 years. And then the payoff finally came when the technology and the infrastructure kind of caught up to what he was doing. But um, I guess the bigger point was that like, it's like, I would not, I think right now I would not be able to do a personal work shipping every day for 13 years, the consistency and the level of perseverance and mental toughness that you need to be able to do that is just beyond what I think the average person can sustain. So that's why I admire the crypto people, especially even you like getting nine crypto works out there and like finishing those projects. Like I think personal projects are one of the most challenging things because there's no deadline and there's no kind of like hard cutoff that says you need to get this done by this Friday. And a lot of the times I talk to creative people and they're like, well, I was going to do my website or I was going to launch this new thing, but I just kept pushing it back. And then eventually it just didn't happen. Yeah. I think procrastination plays a big part uh, in my, you know, uh, process as well, but it's most mostly the fact that I realize how big of the challenge it is to make the things I want to make that's why i'm procrastinating <laughs> yeah <laughs> but how much of it as well would you say is that like little voice inside your head that everyone convinces themselves that as they kind of do this longer and as they get better that voice will go away spoiler spoiler alert it doesn't and that little <laughs> voice says like if you could only just improve it another like 15 percent. if i spend 30 more minutes on this i will take it to a level where i'm comfortable and i find personally like i've struggled with this It'll never, it never feels like you reached that point on any project. There's always You're like perfectionist. That. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you want everything to just go perfect and it's a hundred percent, but there's always this 1% you're like, uh, should I spend more time? I doing? could have changed this little thing. <laughs> the lighting's off. That's why I you got the next project. This project for... <laughs> okay. This is my last question. Cause we're almost going to wrap up here. Yeah. Um, so on average, I don't, you don't need a perfect number, but you're just your best guess. Like what the, the part, and I say this cause I, the thing that keeps me away from cinema 4d and just 3d art in general is that there's that disconnect between what it looks like when you're actually making it and then rendering it. And these <laughs> renders will take like 15 to 40 hours sometimes. So on average, here's the question. I always do this. The question is like, how long do these, these crypto artwork concept artworks, how long do they take to render? Oh man. Uh, the recent projects are, uh, they're all super technical. And each frame would take sometimes 20 minutes. Like the, the latest post that I got, it was 20 minutes per frame. And I, there was just no way I could get it done on my machine. So I yeah. just sent it on drop and render. And yeah, that was... Okay, so two, <laughs> two follow-up part. questions. Two follow-up questions. You say 20 minutes per frame. And there's what? Like a thousand, three thousand? How many frames are there in the piece? Oh, uh, how, um, that project... It was 300 frames and then I slowed it down, I think. Something like that. Yeah, I twixtered a lot of it so that it seems and more... Twixter just slows down <laughs> love that. like a motherfucker too. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. And, and, what but the I, hell I, is drop and render? Sorry. Okay, so drop this and is render, my follow-up. Yeah. That's uh, drop and render. Uh, drop and render is like a cloud solutions to you know, to rendering. It's a render farm, right? So you don't have to use your own GPU to render. All you need to do is to upload your project and then you go hands off. You can work on other projects. You can play games if you want. Like, you know, just just free up your computing space. It's free? No. no that is not. <laughs> um, okay. It's a business. It's, there, there are three tiers that you can choose. Obviously, each tier is like, you know, different pricing with different speed. 
and they sped out pictures so fast it's crazy i don't uh, yeah i diamond is the fastest i think it's called yeah so how out. much does it cost to render um depending on project depending on project for sure i mean it just varies by a lot but before i was sponsored by drop and render i would pay not a big deal <laughs> I, I would pay i would pay 200 us i guess for for one render like that would be personal projects too and this would be for like the high gpu usage projects that's like medium tier even that's medium i think holy so. shit, gets more expensive that. It depends again. It depends on your scene. If you don't know how to optimize your scene, it's obviously gonna take longer. And back in the days, I don't know how to optimize my scene. I just VDV stacked on VDVs, like it's just too much, <laughs> too much stuff. So that's why. Okay, last question. Then we definitely want to let you go. You've been on for a while, but uh, so let's just put myself in a beginner's shoes. I want to start doing 3D animation with like Cinema 4D. Where does a person start? Do you start, you know, drawing a little bit, collecting mood boards, then watch some tutorials? Or is there a person you got to check out on YouTube? Like, can you quickly walk through just what that starting process looks like? I think the starting process is knowing the, the software and the plugins that you want to use. So if you want to learn Octane, you just focus on Octane Render. You don't look at other tutorials. And it always, it's always the best, I find, to start with something that you're really passionate about and you want to recreate or making. So, Because if you start from that, your problems are just going to figure out itself. You're just going to find the right tutorial for it. And if you don't know what term to search, you can just ask other people. And I think the it's the starting part that's hard. That's why you should just start. <laughs> don't, don't make your mood board. Don't you know be browsing around tutorials there's just too many of them just start it's essentially what it is i yeah. love that i have one final one then we'll let you go i feel like we've been saying this for five minutes but <laughs> no would <worries>. you <laughs> would you recommend if somebody was able to to take that two month or three month boot camp um to learn a new piece of software whether it's 3d or whatever yeah depends on the boot camp again if it's the, if it's the one that i went to i don't recommend it Oh, because, oh, shots fired. <laughs> because it's, it's, um, I guess it's client focused in terms. Hmm, how do I word it? I think it kills your interest if you don't start off with your personal projects. If you're going in and they're like, this is the product you have to make, you have to model and then finish the render for the week, this week's homework. You're not going to be enthusiastic about it. Right. Right. So I, I think it doesn't matter what uh, program you're taking. It has to be at least aligned with the style you're going for in 3D. That's a great closing note because I think the most important thing is doing like finding what you like to do and then try and recreate that because the, what the program does so well is it allows you to recreate anything yeah. that your mind can like and what your technical skills can do, right? So I love that. So you'll see, uh, I'm going to try and do a Cowboy Bebop animation, do something. Let's go. No, <laughs> no it's going to be a Call of Duty montage. <laughs> no, it's going to be counter shots on Rust. <laughs> either way, go. either way, I'll turn your post notification on. I'll be, I'll be watching. Oh God. You know what? Honestly, I want to <laughs> challenge a lot of pressure to Cinema 4D. I remember trying it when I was like 16 and this was like 20, Being so intimidated, 13 or 12. And I was like, I knew After Effects. And I was like, what the fuck is this i was trying to learn and i just kind of yeah. gave up and only did like 3d 
text or 2D text and shit. Anyways, Maxman, thank you so much for coming on. This is legendary. For, this was for, for a really good combo. That was fun. That was super fun. Yeah, it's not bad. So um, do you want to just, you know, plug anything, what you do, just to the people who listen, and then I can close this out. Oh, you mean me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you want to plug anything, like your Instagram, your crypto Oh, platform. yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> not really used to doing this, that's why. But yeah, you can follow me on social, Instagram. On Instagram, is MaxMMH. Most of my platform is MaxMMH. If you buy my want to buy my NFT artwork, that's the same handle. So, yeah. Yeah, go follow Check it out. at MaxMMH. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. Make sure to follow us on all platforms. This is going on YouTube as well, so you get to see everyone's pretty face. At Ren Repeat Podcast, follow us everywhere. See you later. Bye. Thank God Will didn't go to Western. <laughs> Good choice. <laughs> see you guys.